there, and welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. A tough loss for the Hawks tonight against the Brooklyn Nets, 114-112 in regulation on a night where the Hawks set a number of statistical milestones. Uh, but on the final play of the game, Hawks called timeout with 16 seconds left, down two. They ran a pick and roll. The Nets trapped it. And uh, after Trey Young strung out the trap, he gave a little shovel pass to Vince, who had an open three point shot from about 27 feet, and it bounced off. And the Nets came away with the win. And the Hawks will come back to Phillips Arena shortly in about uh, 19 hours to take part two of the weekend against the New Orleans Pelicans. But I asked uh, Coach Lloyd Pierce about what he saw on that final play of the game. What did you see on the last play in terms of how it shook out? You know, we, we wanted to win the game. And, you know, you go back and forth, 16 seconds at the timeout, and, you know, run a play where Trey had multiple options. You know, John was open, but it's Trey going left, and Jared Allen presenting, trying to find that pass is hard. I thought the look he found with Vince was wide open. It was a great look. Um, tough part is the the, the timing. We, we went with 10 seconds to go and they're out of the 16. And you, what you're hoping for is to get the last shot and lead with the last shot and lead with the last opportunity. Um, you know, you'd like to have a second and a half back because John gets the offensive rebound and maybe goes back up. But... You know, you play that game with the numbers and trying to figure it out. But we got a clean look for a 39% three-point shooter, uh, wide open, and he missed it. The crazy thing, and I mean ridiculously, fundamentally, bananas thing about that play, and I wouldn't even realize it if I hadn't spent 67 games of watching Trey Young so far this season. But, you know, the Nets trapped that play with two defenders, and obviously Jarrett... Allen is a large defender, and that took away a lot of passing angles. But after watching Trey do this enough times this season, you know, with Collins coming in pretty much open on the roll, um, you know, Kuroots kind of had, a, if, if Trey had thrown a left-handed hook pass to try to get it around Allen, Kuroots might have gotten in the way. But the right side was completely open uh, in terms of where Collins was rolling in by himself because of the trap. Trey might have been able to get that ball through Allen's legs. You know, he was kind of a big guy jumping. You know, if he gets that ball through Allen's legs cleanly, uh, you know, Collins would have had time and space probably to reel that in and go in for a dunk. But again, you know, that's with the hindsight of watching it twice in, in a slow motion replay. But that that is something that theoretically Trey Young could have done. And I only say it because I've watched Trey Young do ridiculous things this season. And, you know, Trey had a nice second half, and he set a nice statistical milestone, his first ever triple-double. Uh, let, let's get to the three stars here. I think it gets pretty easy, especially with two and one. Well, let's start with number three. Uh, Torian Prince had a nice game. Made three of six threes. Uh, he had a nice uh, pick six for a dunk. He had some very enjoyable passes. Uh, I thought he played a, a strong game for the Hawks. I think the starters overall as a unit were, were pretty good for the Hawks uh, for the most part. 
Uh, we'll talk about the bench later. Woo. Uh, but, you know, a, a really solid all-around game from Torian in terms of scoring and uh, passing. All right, Trey Young. He'll be our second star. His first career triple-double. He had gotten to 10 rebounds before, but not in a game where he had 10 assists. So, you know, it was a struggle a little bit for Trey Young in the first half. And he didn't have his best jump shot with him necessarily all night long. Uh, but overall, 23 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, his first career triple-double. He made a four 14 shots. And, you know, the best part for him was that he got to the free throw line 16 times, made 13 out of 16 free throws. You know, he had the, the pick and roll going with Collins in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was, that was the thing that the Hawks had going all night long, but especially in the second half and even more so in the fourth quarter. Uh, they wouldn't really have had a chance at all to be in that game if not for the collins Trey Young pick and roll game. Even though it was his first career triple-double, Trey Young was pretty subdued after the game, obviously, because the Hawks didn't win. Here's what he said after the game. I mean, for me, I mean, y'all know me. Uh, numbers are, are cool. Um, I mean, they, they go in record books and things like that, but at the end of the day, all that matters to me is a win. Um, if, if we don't win, those numbers don't mean anything to me. The obvious number one uh, star from the game, John Collins, 33 points, 20 rebounds. He made 13 out of 20 shots. I mean, he was, he was just an absolute beast on the glass. Um, after the game, Lloyd Pierce mentioned that it was kind of, you know, the, these Brooklyn-Atlanta games are, are kind of weird, and a lot of it hinges on the power forward position because the Nets are playing smaller shooters there, and so the Nets are, are, are looking for a power forward who can play outside, whereas the Hawks you know, have Collins beasting inside, uh, getting a ton of rebounds and finishing at the rim. Uh, one thing that he noted too that you know factored into it, Pierce did, uh, is that because the Hawks are switching a lot of actions one through four or two through four, that leaves Collins trying to guard guards on a number of occasions. So he was you know he had to chase around the Russells and the Crabs and the Joe Harrises and on the on the for you know for the most part he did a nice job of that I thought. Uh, so a historic 33-20 game from John Collins tonight. He became the first player since Kevin Willis in 1993 to have a game with more than 30 points and 20 rebounds, or 20 or more rebounds, I should say, to be accurate. Some other notes. Uh, the bench. Oof. Oh, the Hawks bench did not shoot well tonight. Overall, the bench shot 9 for 38, and this is going to be a continuing problem, I think. Um, you know, the Hawks, if you look at what they've done with their roster construction and how they play their rotations and who's in and who's out together, they play the starters a lot together, they play the bench a lot together, and they've front-loaded their offensive players so that they're all starters. And so when it comes to the bench, especially, you know, without Dwayne Dedman and Alex Len bumped into the starting lineup, there are not a lot of strong offensive players coming off the bench. Uh, Jeremy Lin is up in Toronto. Uh, with Kent Bazemore and DeAndre Bember, you have your two 
stronger defensive wings, but weaker offensive players. And, you know, with Alex Lynn starting, because Deadman is hurt, Spellman is also hurt, you know, it's the patchwork of whatever minutes you can get out of Justin Anderson and Tyler Zeller, who made his Hawks debut tonight. So, you know, you've got a guy who just showed up two days ago. He might not be terribly familiar with the offense when he's out there running it. And so, you know, a bench that was already weak on offense got even weaker tonight. Uh, Nine out of 38 shots is not an overwhelming total. Uh, One good bit of news for the Hawks tonight is that they only committed 10 turnovers, but they sent the Brooklyn Nets to the free throw line 54 times. To be honest, I don't really even know what to say about those 54 free throw attempts. If I'm doing basketball reference right, that's the franchise record for free throw attempts allowed, which is obviously pretty terrible. Uh, I mean, I think it's some combination of the referees and what the Hawks did defensively, uh, neither of which was particularly good, and it's hard to even complain about the 54 free throws. At the same time, it almost felt like the Hawks should have shot more free throws than they did. They shot 32 free throws. Uh, had a pretty good rate. They made 26 out of 32. But, you know, we mentioned before that the Nets were playing Kuruts at power forward. The Hawks were playing Collins at power forward. There were a number of times where Collins was finishing at the rim and he was getting bumped. He was, uh, you know, getting knocked around. Some of those he made the basket. Some of those he missed. Uh, Collins for the night, shot nine free throws, which somehow just doesn't seem right. It seemed like he he would have ended up with more than nine free throw attempts. Uh, but Collins shot nine free throws on the night. And, you know, a couple of the times that he was getting fouled after, I'm sorry, a couple of times that he was getting fouled, he got undercut. He had Kuruts kind of sliding under him when he was trying to go up and finish way up high. And you know, there was one where he kind of got knocked it was a combination. I think he got knocked by Kuruts and Allen, and they did call the foul, but uh, you could sense his frustration in that moment because uh, when he got knocked over by the stanchion, he kind of got up quickly like he was looking for somebody. <laughs> Is there any frustration? You talk about the size mismatch and them playing small guys out of position at the four. Is it frustrating to get fouled by those players? Yeah, it was really frustrating, and I feel like, you know, the referees, um, you know, give the benefit of the doubt to the smaller guy, obviously, the mismatch, and, I mean, you know, I'm a competitor. I want every single call. You know, I feel like sometimes, you know, going down there, you know, I'm getting hacked, and, you know, they're not calling it because, you know, they want the, the deficit to sort of even out, but, you know, I'm going to keep doing me and uh, being very, you know, uh, you know, energetic on the court trying to get those calls and get the bucket. Other notes from the game, uh, it was kind of a rough game for Kevin Herter. He made one out of eight shots on the evening. And, you know, just beyond that, though, you know, it was just some of his finishes at the rim when he was coming in for layups. It felt like he needed to not shy away from the contact and maybe look to, to absorb it and possibly get to the free throw line, especially on the night when, you know, the referees were sending people to the free throw line. You kind of want him to, you know, take the best angle to the rim. And if if there be contact there, you know, accept that contact as opposed to 
you know, maybe going away from it for an off-balance shot that's a little bit more difficult where you won't get the contact. Um, he did have a fantastic outlet pass, probably 70, 80 feet uh, to Vince Carter. Vince got a couple of free throws out of it, but it was a rebound, turn, flick in one motion. He had to see Carter taking off before he even got the rebound. It was a, a very, very nice outlet pass. Uh, shout out to the sixth man group in the arena. Uh, with D'Angelo Russell at the free throw line, they had a you're a snitch chant. Uh, well appreciated by all. Good job. Uh, for the most part, even with the statistical milestones that the Hawks had and some of the nice performances that the Nets had, this was not the most aesthetically pleasing game. If you go to the early part of the game, the Nets were letting Alex Len do whatever he wanted from three, and that didn't turn out to be good because he really wasn't hitting from long range. He made one of seven threes, and vice versa, almost a perfect mirror image symmetry. The Hawks seemed to have no interest at all in guarding Alan Crabb from three. He also went one for seven from three on the evening. Uh, so it was... Uh, it was pretty ugly. The first half, you know, was a lot of free throws, a lot of missed threes, not terribly compelling basketball. It got better in the third quarter and even better in the fourth, but uh, the first half was kind of rough to watch. Some other notes here. Early in the season, when Lloyd Pierce was discussing his philosophy in terms of what he wanted out of his offense, he said something to the effect of, like the three, love the rim. And so a couple of weeks ago, I wanted to turn that question on its head and ask him what he thought in terms of defense. You know, how does he balance trying to defend shots at the rim versus how he wants to defend the three-point line? And of course, you know, on a night when you're going to defend a team like the Nets that is going to take an awful lot of threes, uh, you know, that's an important issue. So here's what Coach Pierce said when I asked him that question. On offense, a couple of times this season, you, you said the phrase, uh, like the three, love the rim. Mm -hmm. If you flip that around and look at it from the defensive side of the ball, how do you balance those competing interests of trying to guard the three-point line? Hate the line? three, hate the rim. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's uh, when you talk about efficiency basketball, and you, you, you know, what are you willing? I always say, what are you willing to give up? And that's, that's kind of what you have to look at. Uh, you know, we'll chase guys off the three-point line, but then we want to keep them from getting to the rim. So that's the rim protection. I think you know, Alex Lynn has, has been our best rim protector on the year. Uh, alter shots keep them from getting to the rim love seeing teams shoot floaters and pull-ups. Uh, we don't want teams to get to the rim because it does a couple of things. It, it makes everyone overreact and that's where you get threes. Puts your big or anyone downhill in a compromised position and that's where they get fouls. Uh, so it's not just getting to the rim, but it's, it's you know, one of the areas that we have to work on is defend without fouling. And one of the areas we're always conscious of is limiting threes. But we want to get people to get off that three-point line and somehow funnel them into pull-ups and floaters uh, and to do it without fouling. So we hate the rim and we hate threes defensively. It was a mixed bag for the Hawks in this one. It felt like they did a, a solid job keeping Joe Harris contained. 
and D'Angelo Russell contained, and like we mentioned before, they let Alan Crabwood have whatever he wanted, and he didn't make them either. So they limited uh, some of the more dangerous starters, but Kuroots is a good shooter, and Spencer Dimwitty coming off the bench is obviously a great shooter. And those two, uh, Kuroots went four for five, and Dinwiddie went four for seven. And so that's really where the Hawks were hurt uh, a lot tonight from the three-point line, those two players. Uh, to wrap up here, I just wanted to uh, take a peek at what the Hawks have done this season in terms of technical fouls. Kent Bazemore leads the Hawks with 12 technical fouls. Uh, Kent was kind of between a, a rock and a hard place coming into the season because I don't think he makes necessarily the most uh, crazy protests. I think if you line them up with some other star players that you know play with a lot of energy, they're pretty mild protests. But you know, coming into the season, you know, the NBA referees, as part of their points of emphasis, uh, you know, one of the things that they said that they were going to call this season, and they have, is that kind of dismissive hand wave when you kind of put your hand up and then just kind of wave it off. And, you know, if that's the mildest technical they call, those are the ones that Basemore seems to be getting. Uh, Twelve technicals is up there. It's uh, tied for fourth most in the NBA. If he gets to 16, that's when it gets to the point where there are some one-game suspensions. Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook, two players with an interesting cross history between them, uh, lead the NBA with 14 each, but uh, 16 is the threshold at which uh, some one-game suspensions begin at every other game intervals, or every other technical interval. So every even-numbered technical past 16 uh, invokes a one-game suspension. As for the other Hawks, uh, Trey Young has six. That includes uh, the two that he picked up in the game that he got suspended. I'm sorry, in the game that he got ejected, I should say. Uh, still a little bit bitter about that just because it was a very entertaining brand of basketball that he's playing. I mean, he, he plays with a ton of skill. He plays with a ton of effort. But he also had a vibe going even beyond the talent and the effort. He had a vibe coming out of All-Star Weekend. And it translated to the court. And he was just playing this buoyant brand of basketball. And somewhere in between that ejection and getting absolutely hoodwinked out of a player of the week award, you know, he's still playing with the skill and he's still playing with the effort, but he's you know, he just doesn't have that same that same bounce, that same vibe, that same feel that he had for the first handful of games coming out of the all-star break, which is Kind of disappointing for his sake. Uh, Torian Prince has five techs. Vince Carter has three. Dwayne Dedman has two. Justin Anderson has one. DeAndre Bembry has one. Miles Plumley has one that I've completely forgotten. Uh, in terms of coaching, Lloyd Pierce only has two technicals on the season. If you look at the NBA head coaches that have played I'm sorry, that have coached the full season, you know, haven't been fired or haven't been hired. Uh, that actually ties for the fewest among full-term NBA head coaches this season. Uh, by comparison, J.B. Bickerstaff has nine, and a handful of other coaches have eight. Uh, but Lloyd Pierce and a number of others have just two. Uh, I think that's it.
for ATL and 29 tonight. I need to go home and get a good night's sleep because uh, I think Hawks Pelicans begins in like three hours or something ridiculous. Uh, set your clock back, and we hope to hear from you sometime soon. As always, subscribe, rate, and review, and come back to us. Uh, we'll try to do this again tomorrow night.